Welcome to the station of Decapitation Without Your Head. I'm Nasty Neal, and I'm joined by the former Jay Leno, Big Lou, the current count of the new monsters, Daniel Roebuck. Hello, it's very cool to have you. Thank you, Neil. So good to be here. Uh, I'm, now, I keep my head the whole time, or I don't have to give it up, do I? We'll see how the interview goes. Uh, I've grown attached to it. All right, all right. Uh, I mean, it's a, it could be just a vacation, a head vacation for a while. Oh, sure, sure. Yeah, like I'll give it back. Took, when they took Hitler's head or in that movie, whatever. Yeah. It would also it would look very good on top of the uh, on the shelf here. Maybe, yeah. We'll, we'll if, you, if you see me in uh, in uh, cold, people could watch cold storage, uh, Walking Dead cold storage. The oh, yeah. episodes. That's how I end up a, a decapitated head. Uh-huh. I've so, done that. So I've done that as an actor. I've done the. Well, I've done the decapitated head. Thankfully, at you know, at acting school, we did decapitated head work, so I knew how to do it. What was required of me? Yeah. Well, my, my co-host on the show normally, Trista, who's an actress in um in L.A., she always told me just to lie if people ask ask me if you can do anything for a movie, just say yes, and then look it up later. And that's a good thing if someone asks you, "Can you play decapitated head?" I'll know in the future, just say yes, but you actually have uh, experience with it. Yeah. I have experience. Yeah. I've done every, as an actor, by the way, I've literally done nearly everything. Nearly. Nearly. But uh, when it comes to death and mayhem, I've been shot, stabbed, hung, decapitated, blown up. Uh, They've killed me every way they could. I think I'm still the only guy who's blown up on national television. I uh, yeah, as when I mentioned you were on, my friend Jason, that was his first thing. Was he was the guy who blew himself up and lost, which right. I thought was uh, yeah. right. So uh, along those lines, um, when you what do you look for in a role then? Since you've you've been blown up, you've been decapitated. Like uh, if uh, what interests you in a new role? Uh. I like when they pay me American money. Well, that's always a plus, yeah. You know, I, I honestly, Neil, I, I'm always entertained as, uh, by actors who act like uh, they get to choose roles because there's maybe 10 who get to choose roles and the rest of us generally take the roles we're given. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's, you know, how I am. I put two kids through Catholic school in Los Angeles. That's private school and college. Uh, as long as they wanted to go, like I've, I've kept things moving with only a, an acting career. So I'm not in a position ever to say, well, let's see. We always make fun. of was an actor who's doing a Q and a, an actor who works much less than I do and say, we make fun is the wrong thing. But in the Q and a, he was asked, how did he choose? He says, well, I, you know, the wife and I discuss it. And, uh, and it was just, that's always our, like our catchphrase the wife and I discuss it. What are you talking about? You take any part they give you. <laughs> Fair. I'll remember that in the future. Then. <laughs> yeah. It, yeah. I was just saying, though, along those lines, when you hear you like, Brad Pitt on the right on the show. Right. Yeah. He gets, he's on next. He gets week. to choose. <laughs> yeah. So uh, along those lines, though, when did you first hear that, you know, they they were that that Rob was interested in you to play the count? Uh, I don't. I don't remember specifically July 19th, 2019, <laughs> about 3.20 in the end. on the walls, yeah. Well, I was on my way to a friend's wedding, and he got married on the 50th anniversary of the moon landing. So 
I know because I'm a nerd that he got married on July 20th, 2019, and we were driving to his wedding. Uh, I did not have any knowledge that Rob was planning that or thinking of it. Oh. Jeff knew, or Jeff Daniel Phillips kind of had an inkling long before I did. Um, but when they asked if I would do it, I mean, he called and said, "Would you consider it?" I couldn't. I couldn't believe my luck. And and you know, your 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 viewers may or may. I'm I'm a guy who's been in love with and collected on Universal Monsters my entire life. Oh, um, I am since I was a little boy. Yeah. So yeah, and a fan of the Monsters and of all the actors in Hollywood, maybe one of the few guys who knew Al and worked with Fred and knew Fred mm-hmm. uh, to the point where I I didn't understand. When people are saying, "Oh God, why does Rob Zombie just cast the same people?" Well, who who the hell else should have played Grandpa Munster but me? <laughs> uh, no, you nailed the voice. I love the look. Um, honestly, soon as soon as you appear and you kind of rise up, I was like, "Oh, this is like the perfect the perfect thing." Or I would say, Grandpa, the perfect count. Thank you very much. Uh, I I think that I did the best that I could, but I also think this was God's plan for me all along to be in this movie. You can follow my Instagram a few days ago. I put up a picture of me at 12 years old when I was a clown in a circus called The Count. Uh, And I was a vampire, funny vampire clown. You can see I even got the makeup almost exactly right. So it's it's weird that, you know, when he asked me to do it, it was was just kind of the culmination of a, of a lifelong plan that had been made for me a long time ago. Whose decision was the mustache? Mr. Zombies. Uh, When he first showed me uh, or asked me to play the part, he sent a photo of a drawing that he did of the Count, and the Count had a mustache in the drawing. And that's when I I kind of knew uh, he was going to take it in a a very cool direction. I I laugh. You know, people say, you know, Grandpa doesn't have a mustache. Like, I've never such clamor over that mustache so the answer is grandpa doesn't have a mustache now he does like (laughs) so over the course of this movie what we have suffered i've never suffered such a thing such bashing on behalf of a of a i I don't know what people wanted that they you if he we put up a picture of us side by side with the monsters and people would say there's no comparison and you know that that's nonsense because it looks exactly the same. Like it was a direct comparison, but people were so mean about it. And uh, that might be just because of a, a level. I, I mean, now that I know people are loving the movie, loving it, watching it time and time again at these conventions, people say we've watched it three times already. We watched it. That's, you know, on a Saturday when the movie came out on Tuesday. So I know that people love the movie. So I know all the people who are blathering about it, never saw it or didn't care or whatever, but you were never going to make them happy. So, um, yeah, I mean, you know, I was going to bring it up there. As soon as it was announced, there was a lot of, uh, there was a lot of hatred for it. Uh, yes. Before, before what is that? And then as soon as you saw like one pay- a still, and then like a, like a 10 second, you know, uh teaser. Yeah. And there was, I don't know. Yeah. There was hatred and it doesn't. So what Rob Zombie is delivered to monster kids the world over of which, Neil, you and I are obviously one. Yeah. He's delivered a movie with the Munsters, the creature from the Black Lagoon, Abbott and Costello meet Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde, <laughs> Zombo, Grandpa. Like, one day I'm on the set, and I'm dressed in my outfit, and there's Rob, and there's Tomas Boykin and Cherry. And I, I said to Rob, I just had this epiphany. 
This is like what it would have been like sitting around on the set of House of Dracula. Like everybody, you know, Carradine, and by the way, who had a mustache, now Dracula. <laughs> and uh, like, there we were. We were all m- monsters, yeah. like universal, not just monsters. This wasn't, um, you know, this wasn't Monster Squad. We're universal monsters, mm-hmm. and it's still not good enough. Yeah, I was. About, even, I didn't know. I didn't know Count Orlock makes the scene, and I was very happy to see Nosferatu's in it. Yeah, yeah, we're all, and it's all like it's all as joyful as joyful can be. Anyway, so when people, I, let's not talk about the negative. Thing. Let's talk about yeah, what's yeah. positive. What's positive is the movie's out. People love it. We're all blessed to be in it. I'm so lucky to be in scenes with Jeff Daniel Phillips and Cherry Moon Zombie, and be directed by Rob Zombie, and I couldn't be happy. It's beyond joyful for me. It's like. It is, I guess I would say, it's like my stepping on the moon in terms of my, my life. Yeah, and it was the, and you found out about the 50th. Don't know that it could moment. get better than this one. Yeah. yeah. So that's like bringing it back around, and I haven't thought about that before. But how could it be? How How is it that I'm, I'm there? Well, it's, you know, it's a bigger plan, and it's the thank God for Rob Zombie. Yeah. You mentioned, you know, the sets and the sets really stand out. And uh, I just kept as a monster kid, I kept thinking it has to be fun even just, you know, being on those sets. So when you walk out of them and like they seem so big and over the top and fun, like uh, what's that experience? So, so terrific. I mean, this photo behind me isn't a photo. It's it's my, you know, my translate from the shows. Uh, that's our that's our monster's house. Mm-hmm. That's I mean. That's that's Rob Zombie's level of detail. Yeah, that is you know inconceivable. By the way, they've made multiple multiple uh, monsters movies since the monsters, right? And nobody ever had the house right. They're just getting to walk onto that back lot and see the house. The set every day we go to the sets and they were so deep and intricate. And Rob had them lit so deep and they were. It was like looking at Forty Ackerman collection or. You know, which obviously inspired you, Neil, to put that stuff. And in this documentary I made called Monster Maniacs, we talk about that layering effect, layering, layering, layering. And Rob Zombie took that and he literally put it in the movie. The last Monsters movie, The Monster Scary Christmas, uh, with all due respect to the filmmakers, they didn't even finish the set. It was like a Batman. They put, uh, uh, you know, a uh, a bookcase and a fireplace and it was like and then in front of a black backdrop because the sets weren't ever done. These yeah. sets you could have looked up, down, everywhere as we were shooting in 300-year-old buildings. Mm-hmm. Amazing. Uh, real quick, did you ever meet Ackerman or go to the Ackerman show? Oh. Was, I guess I tried to get on in the early. We started the show in 2006. But, uh, oh, never that was a little out. too late. Yeah. yeah. No, I've been to Forays many times. Uh, I've lived the real mon- monster kid's dream. You know, on Saturdays we go to House Supplies with Forey. We'd hang out with Bob Burns. We had this great store for a brief moment in time called Creature Features, which was like uh, Taylor White brought together the greatest monster. You'd walk in there one day, Tiny Tim would be in there. The next day, Frank Darabont and Robert Rodriguez. Like we, we would just go there and hang. We'd stop and hang. It was our Algonquin room. Um and that was probably one of the greatest, I think, what, what Taylor White did when he put that together was his house. Um, the, you know, the first uh, Monster Palooza is so big now 
But I think it kind of started, I would do these masquerades at our home and in our backyard where I would get mass collectors from all around the country into Burbank for one weekend a year so we could all hang out. So I've been right in like in the pocket of center of the monster kid's dream life. Mm-hmm. Uh, I always like to think I'm the monster kid in the movie because we can't all be in the movie. Mm-hmm. So I'm the one in the movie. And then uh, pick any any great monster kid artist, Coop, Terry Beatty, uh, you know, there's Jeff Preston, all of them. They get to be the monster kids. Uh, Daniel Horn would draw the box art and the covers. And then Chris Zephro and, and uh, Justin Madry are the monster kids who get to make the trick-or-treat Halloween masks. So we're all like, we. I can't make the trick-or-treat Halloween masks, but I can be in the movie. And Jeff Preston can draw the covers. And Steve Smith can put out, you know, the, the magazine and Evan McGarth. So, you know, we're all like pushing back into the world, more monster love, just my friend like you are with mm-hmm. this show. Yeah, I, I assume then, um, is that what connected you to Rob when you first met him? Because you've done lots of things with him. Is uh, It clearly comes through your love for monsters, and I assume he's uh, very similar. Very much so. Uh, I, I invite people to track down our documentary uh, called Monster Maniacs. Rob's in it, I'm in it. And we talk about collecting and how we've always collected. But it's funny what brought us together, Neil, was we met in uh, Kitcraft, which was a hobby store in North Hollywood that sold garage kits in the late 80s and 90s. This closed down last year. But for many years, there was Kitcraft that we could go and buy garage kits. And so I was in there with John Gilbert. Rob Zombie walked in. That's where we met. And then maybe a year later, a few months later, we were at the uh, screening of Elvira's Hidden Hills with the great Kevin Burns, who was one of the most beloved monster collectors in the world. And we met again. And then, you know, we realized, like, we we have a lot in common. And that's how I've ended up in every movie uh, since Mm -hmm. then. Yeah. When it first started talking, people, like, assumed it was going to be R-rated with a lot of language. And I I assumed it wouldn't be because that would be very strange. But it wasn't always to be a family-friendly monsters very similar to the original show. Yes, 100%. So, you know, being a real artist, you know, Rob, uh, you know, I don't understand. Like, Halloween is about a guy who stabs people. Right. Or his Halloween is about a guy who stabs people. Yeah. Monsters is about silly monsters who make people laugh. So his monster, monster is about silly monsters who make people laugh. Um, yeah, I, I, all of the assumptions people make, you know, are based on uh, misunderstanding uh, how deep and great his talent is and why they think he's a one-hit wonder. I don't, I don't know. He's proven that he's not a one-hit wonder in his 20, 30 years of show. Man, when we were on the set, Neil, he had the number one album in the in the, in the country. And we're in Budapest. There's only seven of us in a bubble yeah. because of COVID. We couldn't. Mm-hmm. There's only seven of us. So there I am in Budapest celebrating my directors like this, this, this grand accomplishment of being the number one album in the country. And I'm with him. Like, It'd be, uh, I, it's no different than being with Elvis Presley when his album is number one album in the country, or the Beatles. You know what I mean? When you're the number one album in the country, that's that's a deal. That's a big deal. And uh, I'm sure he's done that many times, but I was only with him once. Like he's no one hit wonder. 
And I feel like I know you're not asking me to defend the guy. No, no, yeah. I'm 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 I've just never realized the vitriol that people have. Uh, you know, is it because it's successful and Sherry because she's beautiful and successful? Man, Sherry is so good in the monsters. So good in it. Uh and you know, I all the like she's perfect. She's perfect. Mm-hmm. Uh, good stuff. Because let's start good stuff. Good stuff. Monsters. Monster, monster toys. Yeah. Yeah. So well, when you did the convention, I assume that was the first one you did since the monsters came out. Um, so you were talking about the negative stuff. It must have been nice people coming up and saying, you know, we love the movie and everybody. We now look. No. I think you'd have to have some kind of mental screws. A guy did a few conventions ago. A guy said, yeah, I just really, you know, I still don't know about this movie. I don't know if it's going to be any good. And I said, uh, you know, you're talking to someone who made the movie. <laughs> right. And he goes, well, you don't want me to lie, do you? And I said, "I here's where you're confused. I don't really need your opinion at all. Like, uh-huh. your opinion is not relevant to the process. Uh, and if, you know, we all suffer fools, but you can't suffer it. You know what I mean? So everybody loves the movie. People watch it two, three. I'm not kidding. Two, three times. Like I said earlier, it just yeah. came out. And they were already loving it and watching it time and time again. I'm sorry that I'm repeating myself. The point I'm making is yeah. people love the movie. Yeah. Uh, and it's nice to hear it in person. And I was with I was with uh, Jeff Daniel Phillips and Richard Brake, Richard Brake, two great guys, great actors. Mm-hmm. And they do such a good job in the movie. Yeah, uh, breaks great multiple roles. You have multiple roles too, not to spoil the film. But I think someone actually sent in a question asking why you played so many roles. Oh, because uh, I'm a good actor. There so, you go. Uh, right? We played so many roles initially because the first idea was we would have fun playing different roles. Mm-hmm. So that was Rob had that idea because I know he wanted Jeff to play Zombo. Uh, and then um, uh, I got to play Ezra Mosier, mm-hmm. Sherry's Donna Doomley. Uh, and then one day when they shot the Paris sequence, they were filming a block and a half from where we were staying. And so, you know, while they were setting up shots, Rob came down to the hotel, you know, this, and he points to me and he goes, you want to be in the movie tonight? I was, I, you know, close my book. <laughs> it was like, sure, whatever you want me to do, I'll do anything. So that's how he ended up in the French sequence. Yeah. <laughs> After I saw that scene, I did think I need to go back and see if everyone pops up uh, more just because uh, I noticed it. And then it, it kind of I agree. It makes it fun that people are popping up multiple times. Yeah, it would have been fun like to, to sneak. Yeah. And Sherry, she, we couldn't. She's so pretty. Like and like she because she wasn't wearing prosthetics, putting her in a scene without prosthetics would have been jarring because Lily has no prosthetics. But I love that she she got to wear the rubber nose for the first time. Yeah, Anna Doomley, and she enjoyed that. Yeah, I, yeah. I like to wear. I'm a guy because I grew up reading famous monsters, of course. I want to wear makeup all the time. Yeah. Did you get to keep uh, the Playgirl magazine? I, I want to. I've got the face for makeup. <laughs> there you go. No, <laughs> Rob. I would think Rob has it. <laughs> uh-huh. You know what? With the, all the props were great. Yeah. The the book that, you know, I'm like, when the people see it, I get to do the whole grandpa thing where I make the, the pages of the book turn. Yeah. And those prop guys, they were, un, you know, they were down there pulling wires, 
you know, watching my hand and the guy would pull a wire. All that stuff was so, it blew me away how cool it was. But that book, too, if I would have brought it on the plane, we may not have taken off. I think it weighed like 40 pounds. Right. Yeah, honestly, I wore this hat once on a plane, and they and they stopped me and asked me if I was into voodoo, which I'm not really sure why that would matter oh, if I yeah. was, but it's hand-painted by my friend Annabelle with different monsters that I like. Oh, great. Yeah, wait, hold on. I got a wine. I would have blown you away with a photo. Hold on, hold on, hold on. It's important. It's important that right. I blow you away. I visited the Gene Crowell collection yesterday. Gene's an old buddy of mine. And many, many years ago, hold on, hold on, hold on. Many years ago, he had access to the. Um, oh my God! I have the shirt, but yeah, the the, the uh, what is it? Whatever fetish doll from uh, from Trilogy of Terror. The Zuni's fetish doll. Zuni he fetish, had the actual yeah. ac access to the molds. There's there's me and Gene. Oh, I um, love it. <laughs> yeah, like, you know, anybody, there's a good picture of it, really. Anybody who grew up in the, in the, awesome. in the 70s, so great. Uh, anyway, I'm going to share that with you. Yeah, definitely. Now, they asked if you're into voodoo, and you're like, no, I, am I into, what am I? <laughs> yeah, I didn't know if, why would it matter if I was. Am I not allowed on the plane if I'm into voodoo? Right, I don't right. know. Yeah. Right. I think there's only one thing that should not get you on the plane. Are you... Are you you follow? Are you an? Are you a terrorist? Right. Uh, right. Sort, otherwise, yeah, you're, like, you should be. Otherwise, flying. you should be okay to fly, yeah. no matter what. Right. You know, as long as you're not a terrorist. <laughs> right. That should be the question. Yeah. Which you probably won't say yes if if they just ask. But you know, when I, I did a movie in Romania, you know, before uh, after nine eleven, but uh, before COVID, and in Romania, you know, there's all these rules and regulations in Romania. They're like, how many weapons do you have? Three. <laughs> You can only take two, you know, like <laughs> you're going all this trouble to protect America, but every, you know, people in other countries don't really have, this. I'm making a joke. You can't take weapons. Right, right, right. I was right after 9-11 and I thought the European countries weren't being as stringent as we were in the United States. Right. Yeah. I just flew for the first time since COVID. I was, I uh, went to England and, um, the big thing there was, though, I couldn't bring raw beef, and I was wondering why I would have just like raw steaks on my uh in my luggage, but I didn't. Yeah. So. I don't want to be on a I, I don't want to be on a plane with someone who's carrying raw beef. <laughs> yeah, it was a very odd thing, and I don't understand <laughs> that. We I didn't let COVID stop us. Heck, man, we were on. Uh, I I think I counted forty seven or fifty. Yeah. Well, uh, hopefully you're you're well and healthy. You, know, you got to keep you got to keep working. Yeah. I like you and I. It, I've never had COVID, not one time. Mm -hmm. So uh, I had it real early. You want to hear my? Maybe this is something that'll save someone's life. Mm -hmm. uh, take Mucinex DM and uh, gargle with Listerine no. all the time. No. Like when I'm around people, like at these conventions, mm -hmm. take Mucinex DM in the morning and at night, gargle with Listerine that stuff so it can never get into your throat or lungs and that's three years of successful no COVID well good I hope that continues for you and uh, how about the colors now I assume you know maybe some of the stuff they bring up the saturation of post but a lot of the colors have to be on set like the purples and the greens oh yeah yeah and Rob was very so in the first place he knows well uh, he knows well I'm going to pull something up he knows well 
Basil Gogo's paintings like oh, that. Yeah, but he also knows um he also knows this is Munsters Go Home. Oh nice. So I want you to do you see that color palette? Yeah. And how how specific it is. I mean, look at this. People forget that's how Munsters Go Home was lit. Mm-hmm. Right? That's right from the Blu-ray. Yeah. So um one wonders why people were complaining so drastically because, uh, you know, it had already worked. 22, by the way, oh, here's a look how cute. Hold on, you want to see some? Me and my son Buster in the Munster. Oh, couple. my, that's adorable. Yeah, he's, I love it. Yeah. He's 24 now. I could sit on his lap. <laughs> um, uh, the colors were great on set, the colors were great. The very first day we were shooting, um, we shot the the dinner sequence, and then I, Igor, Igor, where are you? One of my first scenes in the movie. Um, and I could see the saturation of the colors. Mm-hmm. And I looked at the monitor, and I was I was blown away. I thought, this is going to look so great. But the thing, the other thing is to talk about, Neil, is that we're bringing kids to this franchise. Mm-hmm. Never, ever, ever we're going to watch yeah. black and white original. Yeah. Ever. So they were watching this. Can I say at least three times over the last weekend, some parent said to me, we watched it as a family, and then they wanted to see the other show. So that's th- already three examples of Rob's you know, evil plan, his dis- despicable evil plan to make the monsters joyful and colorful so that a new generation would discover them has worked. <laughs> <laughs> and it, if you want the black and white, oh, I heard the, people just the, actually just turn off the color. I see when they yeah, watch. Yeah, it yeah. But why would? So here's a question that I asked. This is my new question. If you're watching Munsters Go Home mm-hmm. with Fred and and Al and Yvonne, would you turn off the color? Right, right. You wouldn't. Uh-huh. Right. It's just like when. This movie's going to be crap. There's no Eddie or Marilyn. I want to meet the guy in the world who at five years old would say to his brother, the monsters are on. I hope it's a good Marilyn episode. <laughs> Nobody ever said it. Right. right. It was Nothing never said term, by yeah. anybody. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. So, so it's just like, why would you turn this movie into a black and white movie? It wasn't made as a, just like monsters go home, monsters revenge. Here come the monsters, monster scary Christmas or monsters today were never made in black and white. Yeah. Because you just can't do it. The monsters are black and white because it was black you and white at see the time. It. It's interesting, <laughs> but yeah. it's not going to be the movie we made. Right. And it was black and white because it was cheaper to make it in black and white. Believe mm-hmm. me, if they could have made it in color, they would have made it in color. Yeah. So what was Al Lewis like? You said you uh you were around Oh he's irascible. Um I got to spend, uh, you know, a, a couple events with him and his his uh, wife Karen wrote a great book uh, called uh, "I Was Married to a Monster," I think. Or Karen Ingersoll, find this book. It's a great book. It's shame on me for not having the exact title, uh, but I've been running around today. Great book about Al and her love affair and her love with him. Which, I, um, so uh, uh, he's a great, irascible, funny man. He did not suffer fools or idiots. Uh, <laughs> and uh, he spoke his mind all the time. Uh, and uh, you know what Karen said, his wife, she, she said, Al, if 
hour alive, he'd say, it's yours now, run with it. Um, I thought it was lovely. And Deb Gwynn, Fred Widow, who I've known for 35 years, uh, tracked me down when she found out I'm playing grandpa. And uh, she said this would have made Fred so happy because he knew how much you love that. Now, isn't that interesting? Yeah. 35 years later, she remembers that Fred remembered how much I love the Munsters. Mm -hmm. We worked together in 1988. Um, so, again, like the guy, my daughter, when, when FaceTime first happened, yeah. Uh, when FaceTime first happened, my daughter would she call you on FaceTime? She'd say, "Where are we going for?" <laughs> just to mess with you, yeah. No, I'm just kidding. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Now I know he's obviously not involved. He passed away, but um, were you around Sid Haig at all? Um, you know, for your for the other Rob yeah, Robin, yeah, go sure a couple times because of uh, the work with Rob and yeah. and being at conventions. I said, "Was so great." He was, yeah. Such a great guy. One time I was there with uh, Buster, my little boy. He was maybe a little older than that. And uh, Buster was looking at his T-shirt. He goes, what's his name? Buster, Buster, take a shirt. Take a shirt. Any shirt you want. And Buster's looking and looking, and he pulls out his shirt. And she goes, ah, not that one. <laughs> back in, like, F, F, you know, like the real word. <laughs> right, like, right. Yeah, good guy. It's too bad that he's gone. I think Rob, you know, how smart Rob is, you know, you, you read the interviews about how he kept uh, Three From Hell on track, fight mm -hmm. uh, the problem with losing Sid. Very smart. Mm -hmm. And, I mean, he fought to make this Buster's movie for 20 years. I have news for people. They, they need to hear this. Universal was going to make a Munsters movie about Eddie. They were going to – so people need to know this, that – Universal Studios had plans to make a Munsters movie, rect-to-video movie, in which Eddie was going to be the main star. It was going to be a kid's movie about kids. So Herman and Lily Grandpa would have been secondary characters. It was going to be a, a, a sliding board outside the Munsters house so Eddie could slide down and get out of the house. I mean, this is, what, this is the nonsense they had planned. Rob, <laughs> Rob tried all that time to get this movie made. And when they were starting to talk about making that other movie, uh, Mike Elliott, our producer, I think, had the wherewithal to say, whoa, 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 before you make that movie, wouldn't you rather make Rob Zombie's movie uh, that'll be a visionary movie and not just a little kid's movie? Mm -hmm. So that's that's how he... Yeah. yeah. I mean, I think it comes through that he loves the movie. And it, there's so much fun, even little things in the movie. And uh, before I do forget, I do... Uh, when I mentioned Sid was... He was the first guest ever on our show in our okay. very first episode, 2006, and was very nice to me. Always put uh, a good word in for me at conventions, and that's why I started doing uh, the hosting the panels and things. So he's a very oh, nice guy and God. very helpful to me. That doesn't surprise me. I mean, isn't it funny? He plays such a despicable, horrible <laughs> right. human being, but in reality, he was just a nice guy, as opposed to me who play nice guys. I'm just <laughs> not despicable. <laughs> I do I'm want to mention if... too, Maniac, my friend Maniac does an amazing. Uh, uh, he did the art for you for. Oh, uh, yes, Jeff Carl. Great. Yeah. So great. He's such a great artist. So, so yes, Maniac Monster, Jeff Carlson, an excellent artist. Uh, very happy. By the way, their shirts, uh, Jeff designed based on the old Maniac images. That Zom Boogie has a Z O M 
B-O-O-G-E-Y. They should go right now because they're the the chance to buy them is soon going to be over. So that's when Rob and uh, local boogeyman combine their right. shorts. But you can see Jeff Carlson's wonderful shirt on boogie.com. Oh, very cool. Yeah, I have a lot of pat. I'm a patch guy. I, I like him on my uh, hoodies oh. and stuff, and he does a lot of very cool patch. So yeah, I he did. A, he did a. He did a grandpa patch. Yeah, actually. Yeah, I need to get that. Uh, oh yeah, the the old uh, Al Lewis one. I actually do have that one where he's. Oh no, he did smoke. one of, of the. the he did a new one. Oh. And when we're done, make sure Tammy has your information. We'll get to one. All right. Yeah, I would love that. Thank you. So. Uh, a lot of questions uh, from uh, Facebook when I mentioned you were on, if you don't mind asking. Oh. Brian Jones asked this actually, I think, three times. Uh, what was what was it like working uh, on the Grumpy Cat movie? And did you get to hold her in the scenes or was it a prop? I did get to hold Grumpy Cat. Carter uh-huh. uh, sauce the cat. The poor cat, you know, when I went to shake it, was like, like in slow motion. No. <laughs> so they did have cat puppets that like shake a little. Uh, that was a lot of fun. I like that grumpy cat movie. I thought that was fun to be in. I liked the director very much. I like working for like, I, I had a good time. Yeah, cool. And Brian was a big fan, apparently. He mentioned it many times. Thanks, uh, Brian. <laughs> keep it up. Bob Rose, what was it like working with the young Keanu Reeves and Crispin Glover on River's Edge? Oh, I always wonder if people stop Keanu Reeves and say, what was it like? Daniel Rose, yeah, I'm going to ask him if I ever get to talk to him. The, both those guys are great. I've had occasion to talk to Crispin. Yeah, I've had occasion to talk to Crispin recently. I've, I love them both very much. Um, they're just great guys, two different kinds of actors. Uh, Keanu's it doesn't surprise me that he's a nice person. He was a nice person then. Crispin doesn't surprise me that he's a unique person. He was a unique person then. Um, you know, I think we were all... I'm not saying we weren't acting. I was maybe the one in the big pile of I needed help. I'm nothing like Samson Wallet. And maybe Crispin's a little odd like uh Lane and 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 uh and it was a little uh he had a big heart like Matt. Um but we had a good time. Uh, that was a real blessing to be part of that movie. That's already nearly thirty six years ago. Yeah, time does fly by. Any stories about Dennis Hopper? Well, I loved Dennis Hopper before he got cast. And they were looking at Keith Carradine at one point, Timothy Carey at one point. I actually went and read with Timothy Carey after I was cast. And uh, I think uh, Dennis was always a choice. They didn't know if they could get him. I, I loved every moment I spent with Dennis Hopper. And I got really to glom him so much more than everybody else because everybody would come in and have a scene. But I spent weeks a night with Dennis, just me and Dennis in that house. And then at the river's edge, we shot at the river's edge for nearly a week uh, of nights, three or four days of nights. I, I loved every second. I think Dennis at one point was like, Hey Dan, let's keep the, uh, let's put a limit on apocalypse now questions to 25 a day. Because I would follow him around and say, "Did they really hang dead bodies? Did they really do this? Did they really cut people's heads off?" Like he was quite entertained with. Uh, he said very nice things about me. There's a book that published. Uh, Shannon Wallen, what was your experience like working with Don Coscarelli? Don is about the nicest person in Hollywood. That's a fact. He's just a good human being. Beautiful family. 
by the way. Beautiful wife, two beautiful kids. I love him. Um, I'll do anything. Like if Don Coscarelli was like, you know, if he called, he goes, I want to talk about a job. And it turned out to be, we're going to go kill a guy and saw up his body. <laughs> I'd be like, okay, you know, for you, Don. <laughs> um, I love being in his movie. Uh, and uh, I love him. So always joyful. I'm a big fan of Don Coscarelli as well. One of the first movies I remember watching a lot as a kid is Phantasm. Oh, amazing. Um, and Cheap Plug, uh, a great, uh, I have a great interview with Angus Grimm near the end of his life. And it's very, he, he knew it was near the end of his life and he's very open about it. And it's might sound depressing, but I think it's actually an uplifting interview. Can, can we, can, well, it's interesting when people are, are there. I got a beautiful phone call from Andy Griffith when I think he knew it was near the end. Mm-hmm. And we, we had a lovely phone call I, for people who may not know. And I loved him. I loved him. Uh, so that phone call where I got to say, thank you for what he gave me, uh, that I had that opportunity to have, have that conversation, enormously important. Angus, a family friend, great guy. My daughter loved him, loved him. Um, she knew him his entire life. I, I'd be very curious. I'll, I'll check that interview out because he was very uh, introspective and retrospective in it. Yeah, it was a lot about um, he was happy with his life and and you know all the things he is. I think it's a good interview. Um, it's a, it's a good message. I think if everyone had that same outlook, you know, when things were are coming to an end, it would be good. Let's talk about that for one second. Yeah, that's. I wanted to say something about what you just said about having that point of view when you're dying the way you have that point of view when you're dying is that you live every day like it's your first not like it's your last like it's your first that means you wake up and if you were mad someone so if i could just say about angus and the end of his life and why he was like that what i was saying was angus is a good human being and i think he may have approached life like this uh to have that end of life experience requires you to have a consistent life experience in which you wake up every day and remember that it's a new day. What I was kind of wanted to say was we, I made this movie called getting grace and it's about a girl dying of cancer, goes into a funeral, find out what's going to happen after she dies. And she ended up teaching the funeral director how to celebrate life. So I was in and with so many people had to deal with pediatric cancer. Sometimes they lost their loved one. Sometimes their loved one uh, survived or any cancer. And sometimes the loved one was gone and sometimes they survived. But the key to life is to not have a bucket list. Life is to live every day like it's your first. And so if I can, you know, step away from the monsters and horror movies and everything, what I would like to say to people is, if you wake up in the morning and, and you were mad the day before, you forgive the person you are mad about. If you were worried about something the day before, maybe the, this day you don't worry. And I think God was good to us because he, he, he put that sun up there. to We see it go away, and it reminds us the day is over. And when it comes up, it reminds us there's a new beginning. Every day is a new beginning. So I think that Angus lived life like that. He was deeply in love through a great out of his life, uh, a spectacular person, uh, and was joyful, and he had an outlet for his gifts as an actor and a writer. He was a talented writer. So 
He lived every day like it was his first. I'm sorry if I bloviated. I no, I I agree 100. I don't like to make the interview about me, but uh, six years ago when I turned 40, I got very sick. Um, had uh, part of my colon removed and had emergency surgery because I was dying. And um, it was a long recovery, uh, several years, different complications, but it definitely gave me a different outlook to enjoy myself while I'm here and uh, and and be with people that you like to be with while you're here. Because yeah, you never know. Anything. I think it's you know, there's a lot to be said for. Uh, just by the way, Neil, you and I probably had the same, same emergency surgery, same, uh, I, you know, assuming it was similar. Um, I've always felt like this though before that I didn't, I'm, you know, I'm not saying I'm better. I'm just saying mm-hmm. I had this life uh, opportunity or knowledge or I almost died. Uh, but you never know when it's coming. Right. Uh, you never know. I was afraid I wouldn't get to see the monsters come out. <laughs> you just never know. Mm-hmm. So you might as well prepare for it. And how you prepare for it is don't be an asshole. You know, yeah. be a happy yeah. person. Celebrate what you love. And and if you have people around you who are harming you, remove them. It's not terrible. You remove it. It's like I am. I, I just don't have time for, 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 for that evil. I Yeah, I agree 100% uh, with that. And also... Um, not only when you won't be here, other people won't be here. So, you know, try to enjoy them while everyone's here. Yeah. People that you okay. want to be around. Um, there's a lot of questions here. I could save them for another time if you'd like. No, no. Ask questions. Away. All right. Let's see. Uh, Renee Merced. Dan was on an episode of The Love Boat. Was it as sweet of a gig as people say it was getting paid to be on a cruise? Or was it one of uh, those just-in-studio episodes? It was a just-in-studio episode, <laughs> all shot at... Uh... Uh, what is now Sony Hollywood, uh, Formosa stages. Um, uh, so I only worked for a, a day or two in Hollywood on the sound stage, but I was blown away by how great it was. Here's a funny story. That was my first SAG job, Screen Actors Guild job. Uh, and um, when I was there on the set, I had already started a movie called Cave Girl, and I hadn't done River's Edge yet. But on the set, I I was nervous. Uh and I spilled a beer. And Ted Land said, what is this, your first day on a set? <laughs> and I was like, yes, as a matter of fact. It is. <laughs> yeah, an excuse anyway. <laughs> Thank you for making me feel so comfortable. Uh, but we got, through, we got through it. I think it was maybe one day, only one day. I was, it was a frat episode, and I didn't get cast in the main frat. John Bellucci part, Stephen Lee got that. But the, they called and asked me to do a line or two. More than happy to do it. Excited. Matt Orsman, uh, I'd love to hear stories on working with the Bat Bantman uh, Street Irregulars. Larry Blameyer. Yeah, Yeah, Larry Blameyer. Yeah. Well, we did a a series of movies. The great Larry Blameyer did, you know, um, uh, The Lost Skeleton of Cadavra. And then he followed it up with uh, Taylor Screaming Forehead, Lost Skeleton Returns, Dark and Stormy Night. And we were kind of a joyful uh, uh, band of merry men that he would put in different roles in the thing. And uh, we always had a good time. Oh, boy. We, we love that. The last one we got to do was uh, the um, Dark and Stormy Night. And, you know, sometimes you're the lead, sometimes you're the supporting character. Dark and Stormy Night was a real ensemble. But uh, Jen, Jen Larry's former wife and I were like the leads. 
and we we just had a great we had a great time making those movies. It's not about money; it's just about yeah being silly. Yeah, we like that. Uh, Emma Dark, we kind of went over you know over a lot of uh, the count, but she wanted to know um, you know taking over an iconic role was obviously you had a lot of fun, but was there any nervousness about taking over such an iconic role? Well, thank you. It's not a bad question. Not really, because I've been preparing for it for fifty five years. Mm-hmm. Like you know, Daniel Day Lewis. Uh, he's everybody's like he spent a year to be Lincoln. Well, I spent <laughs> fifty five years learning how to be. Right. Oh, I win. Uh, but like I've played, you know, I've played uh, Jay Leno. I played Gary Marshall. Real people. Those are two, two of many real people I played. But those are two of the most famous. And you know, you want to get that stuff so right. Uh, so I wasn't nervous because I knew I had a great director. I knew I had great makeup. And I knew that it's where God wanted me to be. So not as nervous as probably. Yeah. And she also adds that you looked fabulous in the role. Thank you. Uh, Brian Patrick O'Toole. I would just like to say, hey, Dan, I used to run into him at a comic book store in Burbank all the time, oh. usually with my friend Ben Tolpin. He was always so nice and knew so much about comics. I was there uh, for the Godzilla stuff. So just tell Brian, tell him Brian O'Toole says, hey, he won't remember me. But no one does. Uh, and then he he was the one who asked about. Oh, stop, Brian! Play. Stop that. <laughs> yeah, Brian, Brian, come on! Everybody remembered you and Ben. Um, hello to you both. Uh, yes, we'd always bump into each other. That was at Emerald City Comics, that eventually became Creature Feature. Oh, so, uh, yeah. So anyway, thank you for saying hi and hi to you back. Yeah, uh, former guest on the show is Brian. He uh, produced um, Dog Soldiers. Uh, Lisa Jane Heckman, of all the roles oh. you have played, which was the most challenging? Well, um, this was hard. Uh, Jay Leno was challenging in a different way because he was on TV every night. So getting that right was very important. Maybe the most challenging, though, uh, honestly, are these movies that I write and direct in which I have to uh, I write and direct and produce. Writing directing is one thing. Writing, excuse me, directing and producing—that is a real challenge. Just stay focused on the character, focused on the role. Uh, get the comedy right, get the drama right. Make sure that there's enough food for the crew. Uh, those are challenges beyond acting challenges that uh, I don't—I don't hate. I enjoy them. I've done it three times now as a film director, many times as a play actor, and so uh, I'm—I kind of ask for it. But that's a bigger challenge, I think, overall, is to try to keep everybody happy and smooth. Uh, well, along those lines, Tommy Kovac, uh, have you met the real Jay Leno? Oh, yes, many, many, many times. Yes. He was very kind to me. He liked what I did uh, in the movie. Um, we actually produced an animated Christmas movie. Oh, very cool. Yeah, he was the uh, narrator for us. I had him and Kathy Bates in the same movie. And Andy Griffith. Oh, uh, that's, that's amazing. I'm a big fan yeah, of Andy Griffith. So. Uh, a lot of these are the same, but we'll ask this one. Joe, um, it's known that you're uh, famously a mega horror fan. Uh, what is your most cherished Monster Kid memory or experience? Oh, um, we used to, my favorite, I, my joyful memories as a child, we had Dr. Chalk with our horror host out of Philly. And uh, I loved, he was on Saturday afternoons. And for a while, Saturday nights, I remember going to get a pizza at Pizza by Papa's 
block from the house. I could walk down there at 11 o'clock, pay my $2 for the pizza, bring it home and eat the pizza while I watch the five skulls of God and break, whatever <laughs> Dr. Shock was showing. I love that, man. I love that so much. Very. So uh, Monsters is on Netflix and you can also get it on physical release. And uh, I think a lot of people are wondering, well, we see more of uh, Rob Zombie's Monsters World. Oh, I, I hope so. I hope that we get to do a sequel, but that'll be up to all of you. You gotta buy it and watch it and love it. Um, You gotta love it. Uh, Wouldn't it be great if there was, I would happily don that outfit again. Uh, I would do it. I love it. I enjoyed it. Um, I saw, uh, you know, it's still currently on the top 10 in Netflix. So uh, and it's been out for a few weeks. So I think that's a good sign or a couple weeks. Keep it up there. It's a, Yeah, yeah. It's been out for a week uh, today. So let's hope that it just stays, it stays up there and people keep watching. I think as we get close to Halloween, people yeah. are going to be watching it more and more and more. I agree. And it's a little word of mouth because, like you said, originally we won't dwell on that, a lot of negative, but since it came out, I see a lot of positive and people really enjoying it. And like you said, look, I, I grew up 100%. watching I grew up watching a lot of R-rated movies I probably shouldn't have watched, but not everyone lets their kids do that. So it's nice to have a, have a movie you can watch with the family. Yeah, it's a Halloween movie with the family. Hocus Pocus is getting all the love because that's <laughs> just Hollywood does. Three women, oh, three women, you know what I mean? <laughs> Uh, we're, we got one woman, two guys. Yeah. Uh, but Hocus Pocus is always going to get the the love because that's just how Hollywood is. But but from a personal standpoint, people are saying, sit down, get a bowl of popcorn, watch it with the kids. Yeah. And uh, where are you uh, headed? I know you were just at a festival uh, convention. Where are you coming? Uh, where are you going I'm next? Excited to go to Monsterama Junior next. That's uh, August eighth. And then I'll be appearing at the Hollywood Horror Show, a wonderful, uh, spooky, uh, you know, one of those, uh, you know, one of those uh, places you go to get scared. Yeah, yeah like a uh, house that, kind of thing. That's in in uh, in North Carolina, big, huge haunted house put on by Dean Jones and Star Jones, two former Hollywood makeup men I've known for years. I just did a movie with them called Black Archives about werewolves, and uh, mm-hmm. they was like, I want to come to the, I want to. I was at I was at their show while we did Matlock, so that's how long it's been going, uh, nearly 30 years or more. Uh, and it's a great, great time. And then we'll be at Spooky Empire in Orlando and then Chiller Theater in Parsippany, New York. I've and, never been to Chiller, and that's one of the longest-running uh, conventions. All other places in between. On the pyramids on the 31st. Oh, very cool. Yeah, and I've known Kevin for many years, so very excited to go back as a as a legit guest, I sat at table, signed stuff for people. Find me on Instagram and everywhere. We have so much wonderful, fun Munsters merchandise that we're carrying with us, fan-made merchandise uh, they can get for me and get signed at the show. That's very fun. This has been really fun. I know we have some uh, some connection issues. Besides that, I had a great time talking with you and meeting you. Neil, thank you. And to all your watchers, thank you. Peace.org. That's where they can learn about the films I'm making when I'm not working for the man, playing grandpa or doing whatever I'm doing. Uh, Star Wars. <laughs> Star Wars. Got a phone order. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm not, you know, working on amazing, fun things. Uh, I'm making amazing. Please go to a channel peace.org to learn about it and maybe help us. If you want to help us make these movies.
Yeah, I will actually do that right after. I'm going to go check this out. All I'd right. love to do this again sometime. Neil, anytime you want. Thank you for Thank your you. time. You as well. So join us All next right. week when Daniel returns. No, I'm just kidding. But we'll do it again sometime. Yeah. Neil, send Tammy, uh, send Tammy your information. Okay, I will do that. I appreciate that a lot. All right. Thank you so much. Yep. All right. Bye. Bye. Bye.